And I think, you know, in any relationship, you need to figure out communication. You know, you need to understand what those trigger points are for each other and understand, you know, if what you're saying and how you're saying it is having an adverse effect. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to your Badass Journey podcast. Today on the show, I have partners in life and business, Josh Ferry and Kate Huber are not only a couple, but they are also the co-founders of the company Cloud Insight. And what was great about today's conversation is that we dive into how to lead as partners, how to build a business as conscious heart-centered leaders, as well as the importance of solving big problems and impacting your community. Uh, These two are now pretty much based in Buffalo, New York, and they have big things happening trying to help Buffalo become a smart city, leveraging all that they've done as startup entrepreneurs, as well as how it coincides with building their new business, Cloud Insight. So the geek in me uh, definitely comes out in today's conversation, and I know you'll appreciate that. But truly connecting with these two, I think you'll find benefits from not only this conversation, but also really diving into who they both are and how they are putting their zone of geniuses together in building an impactful business. So as always, I would love for you to um, share this podcast, post your review, and really just continue that conversation. You know, reach out to us, let us know what your takeaways are. Even if you snap a picture and tag it on um, Instagram, tag me, I will definitely uh, respond back because I love to hear how these conversations are impacting your journey. I know you're going to enjoy today's conversation. So let's jump in. Welcome to your Badass Journey podcast. Today, I have such an awesome conversation with you for you with two partners in life and business. Josh Ferry and Kate Huber are on with me today. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you both today because I love working with partners in business. And I've had the privilege of you know coaching and and advising on startups who are also <laughs> partners in business and in life. And I find that there's such an interesting journey behind the decision of going into business together. And so before we get to sharing where you guys are today, I would love for each of you just to share a little bit about your own separate journeys that brought you into making the decision to launch a company together and and intermingle or integrate, you know, your personal relationship with your work life. Sure, yeah. So I I 
kind of always been a, an entrepreneur at heart. And I've, I've always wanted to, my goal was to be able to start companies and, and build something on my own or with people. And uh, that motivated me from a very young age. So when I came into this industry inside of tech, I started in telecommunications and worked for a small company and learned a lot about that entrepreneurial kind of mindset and what you have to do, the sacrifices that you have to make. And uh, you know, it was daunting. But through that process and through the, the tops and bottoms of that company, you know, I, I kind of held on to it. And when I started at my next company, which was a larger organization, I found out really quickly that you know, having that entrepreneurial mindset actually uh, was an advantage for me. So I ended up starting a company while I was there and uh, was very lucky enough to, to be able to sell that company a few years later and had a successful exit. And then went back into the corporate world because I think kind of uh, the entrepreneurial side and starting those companies and going through it, it's, it's time consuming and it, it takes a lot out of you. So I think, uh, you know, it's funny when, when you come from that space and then go back into the corporate world, it's like taking a break. And, you know, I sat there for a while, learned some more in some different industries and, and took advantage of that. And then I started selling to a, a company called Cypher Health, which is where I actually met Kate. I was selling to, uh, to her and uh, we got to get to know each other pretty well throughout that process. And, um, and then when I had gotten through my next exit with a larger company, which I, I didn't own, but was on the senior leadership team, I decided to start this company. And uh, for me, it was, uh, it, was, it was a lot like trying to date Kate. I was trying to pull her away from her corporate job now. <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, I, I knew that her skill set was going to fit really well for what we were trying to do. And uh, I, I pursued it pretty heavily. And I think for me, it was we were spending so much time together anyway. And talking about each other's companies and helping each other out with each, each other's problems and issues. When I was like, you know what? It seems like we're both having issues where we're where we're, we're looking for each other to have help, and we, and we complement each other really well. So I was like, you know what? Let's just come on, just do this. And finally, I, I pulled hard enough that she uh, she she joined. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is a very good salesman. My journey was a little bit different. I mean, I didn't always know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I actually, when I was in undergrad, was pre med, so I you know went through the whole process of taking the MCAT and got to the point where I was working with doctors and it was when the Affordable Care Act was coming out and the whole landscape of healthcare changed. And you know, all the doctors I worked with were like, this is maybe not the best choice. And um, you know, I took a time to just think about what my experiences at that point had had led me to. And I I really was enjoying uh, solving problems. And that was just totally different for me. You know, it was a, a different track, a different mindset. And I was like, well, you know, there are a lot of problems to be solved in healthcare. And I found a company, which is Cypher Health, I ended up meeting Josh, um, that was looking for at that point an account manager. And, you know, going from a you know bio and chem background in undergrad to being an account manager at a, a small, very small health tech company in New York City at you know 22 and a half I had no clue what I was doing but I just I was confident that you know it was the space I wanted to be in so kind of kept on you know moving forward with that company because I loved the mission you know and I, I started to realize you know what was important to me that you know having a mission was important to me that solving problems and and you know leading a team was important to me I was on the rowing team in college so you know being part of a team was just sort of natural for me and um you know, I, I sort of found my my happy place on the tech side of the company. So, you know, it was a startup. I was the fifth employee. So, you know, you kind of wear seven hats and that's just a typical day. So I kind of 
morphed into a product manager with the help of a lot of very smart and helpful people in the company, you know, asked all the stupid questions to the engineers and really understood what, you know, our product did from the inside out. And, you know, I really saw that value of being able to bridge that gap between your customers and your your technical team in-house. So, you know, I, I ended up spending six and a half years there. I, you know, left after a really big exit that we had. Um, well, not exit, I'm sorry, a really big series A round, um, which was my opportunity to exit. And that's when, you know, Josh was really pushing hard on on building this company. And like you said, you know, we really do work well together. You know, that was always important to me for, you know, just my romantic relationship was that we'd be a partnership. So it was kind of a no-brainer. So we we do get a lot of people that are like, how is that gonna work, you guys? And we're like, it's just it's natural for us. You know, we're just like you said, we're always bouncing ideas off each other, always looking to each other to, you know, solve problems together. So, you know, we we found a, a more fundamental problem out there in the industry that we were both familiar with. And we were like, yeah, let's solve this problem. Let's do it in a you know, Kate and Josh way. I love that because it it seems like you both respected each individual's zone of genius, as I call it, right? Like the areas that we're specialized in, the areas that we like, when we have it in front of us, we just get all sorts of energized and want to jump in. And then and then you also recognize how it complemented each other, not only as a personal relationship, an intimate one, but then also in business. And I think it's really important to understand how did you recognize each other's zone of genius and how would you explain it? So Josh, tell me what Kate's zone of genius is. And then Kate, you tell me what Josh's is. Yeah. So I got to... The benefit of seeing her work in a different environment was that I got to see that kind of zone of genius before we decided, hey, let's start a company. This is a really good idea. Let's go. And uh, so I knew that her zone of genius is really looking at a a fundamental problem within your own organization. Forget for a minute the problem that we're trying to solve as a company, but fundamental changes that that take place in any startup or any environment that's fast-paced, uh, she looks at and can go into the weeds and, and get really uh, intense on how are we going to solve this issue and go go deep on it. I don't have that mindset. I'm very much... I'm like... Uh, I'm driving forward and I'm not as organized as she is. She's very organized. Um, I have a much more of a sales mindset and, and gravitate in that direction and kind of big picture stuff. But uh, she is very good at, at taking what I'm putting out there and saying, Josh, this is way out of left field. You got to tone down here. And, and also the things that we start to work on, you know, making sure that it, it's built properly and that we're taking the necessary steps to ensure that you know, uh, our company and the platform itself is uh, being created in a way that's built for long-term success and sustainability as opposed to, you know, let's go, oh, let's chase this sale, let's chase this opportunity, let's chase this one. And uh, I, so I think that in my mind is, is kind of where, we, uh, where, where she compliments the company very well. Yeah, I'd say for Josh, his zone of genius really, um, you know, is, is finding opportunities that you would not believe were even possible to find. I mean, he'll come up with ideas sometimes that... Fascinate me, and um, you know, I, I'm sure there's there's bias, but you know, I really there are things that he'll say, and you know, projects that he'll come up with, and I'm like, I would have never even thought to you know talk to that person about this idea, you know, and 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 he does it, and I think there's you know we've we've all worked with people who have great ideas, and then it kind of stops there, 
we're, we're both definitely doers, but you know, Josh more so in the sense that he'll take a risk probably more than I would. And he'll get us into doors that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and I, it's just, it's been, you know, monumental for our business. And, you know, it's, it's huge. You need that in your leadership team. You need somebody who, you know, can really identify those opportunities way ahead of this way ahead of time so that you can actually capitalize on them. You know, and then the other part too is I'd say he's a great leader. And that was part of what I saw when he was working at the company that was selling to my last company. You know, his team just absolutely adored him. And, you know, I, you know, we've all worked for people who, you know, we've had differences with. And he found a way to have a very diverse team and just have like absolute adoration from all of them. And it was it was really amazing to me because I know for a fact that's not easy to do, you know, to get your whole team on board like that. So, you know, the the leadership skills there um, really resonated with me. I love that because um a lot of people don't take the time to recognize, you know, the the individual impact that comes together in order to create a solid partnership, you know? And and when you both not only were attracted to each other from an intellect standpoint, right? Like the fact that you're both doers, the fact that you can recognize genius in each other, you know, the fact that you can say this person is a complement to what I do, but is also going to challenge me and help me grow in ways that I haven't done before. I love that lens when people are looking for what is the right fit in order to lead this business, grow this business, and and take it to that next level. I think that's a really good insight to have and great to share with our listeners because it's something that conflict shows up right all the time, and yeah. it's it you know, we have our stance and in, in how we want to be in that moment of our thoughts, our ways, our methods. You know, and I'm curious because business can be so stressful in itself, right? And and yes, we have our own modalities of how we deal with stress individually. And then as partnerships, we have our methods of how we deal with it in business. And then there's the relationship side as well. Like when you come home, even though you guys are like working from home at times, and then you need to come home. And I'm using my quotation hands for the people who can't see me. Um, but the, the thing is that I'm, I'm curious of how... Do you have any rituals or habits or methods of saying... This is work and this is play. Um, do have you have you worked at all on figuring out the relationship side to sustain, you know, that connection while you're actually still in business? Yeah, it's funny because we actually were just um, talking to friends of ours who are also couples or a couple who started a company together, and they were telling us about this rule that we were thinking we might need to institute, <laughs> um, which is they. They basically have like an, a physical line, a physical boundary in their home that they say, once you've crossed that line, which is literally just like the carpet to the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> like once you've crossed that line, you are not allowed to talk about work. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I love that. It's so brilliant and it's so simple. And we were like, yeah, that needs to happen because we will definitely find ourselves sometimes, you know, trying to fall asleep and be like, oh my God, did you set up that meeting with so and so? And then like, dude, I was so close to falling asleep. Um, so it's, it, you know, it, it is tough because I think, you know, my mind is like going, going, going all the time. So it is hard for me to turn off. So, you know, I think just being aware of how we both process stress is very important. You know, I am 
way more anxious as a person um, than Josh is. He does a, <laughs> definitely a better job of containing it. And I think he can see my stress more than I think I can see his. But when you know how people are presenting the stress, it's important because then, you know, even if it's not very obvious to everyone else, it's obvious to you. So you can pick up on it and you can, you know, modify your tone or or just kind of push a conversation that's maybe not absolutely necessary in that moment aside for later when there's a better time and you can, you know, have a piece of chocolate cake and talk about it or something, you know, whatever it is that <laughs> you need to to make that easier. And that's been really important. I think we've both done a really good job of of working on that. And I think, you know, in any relationship, you need to figure out communication. You know, you need to understand what those trigger points are for each other and understand, you know, if what you're saying and how you're saying it is having an adverse effect. And, you know, that goes beyond your your relationship with each other. It goes, you know, into the different conversations you're having for business too. So, you know, I've also learned a lot from Josh about that because I think from his sales experience, he's read people more than I have. Whereas sometimes I would say things and give feedback and he's like, that was a little harsh. I think that (laughs) feedback came back too straightforward. And I was like, I didn't even think about it. I just said it. He's like, yeah, but read the room and read the person you're with. And um, you know, we've really helped each other in that regard and and we've made each other better for it. I think the other thing is that you have to be in a constant state of learning and uh, you know, make mistakes because you're going to, and people are going to get upset with one another. It's, I'd love to say we haven't butted heads at all in business or in a relationship, but it's false, right? I mean, it happens all the time. And I think the best thing you can do is re- respect each other. And if you have that mutual respect and, and have that, uh, th- that thought process that, hey, okay, yes, now you know I don't like this. Please don't do it again. <laughs> Let's move yeah. forward. Learning. And I think, yeah, uh, yeah we, we just continue to learn. I think it's great because, you know, I find that when you truly are in alignment with doing what you love, to not be able to share it with the person you're in love with, right? Like, and, and be able to like show that side of you or, or know when to get the support you need or ask for the help. It's, you're living out of alignment, really. Like, it's almost like you're masking or having to be multiple versions of yourself and all the different relationships you have. And, and a lot of the, the way I love to bring up the conversation, you know, with folks that say like, are you truly aligned with who you are and what you're doing? You know, and and it's really beautiful to see how the two of you have it in integrating it into your home life, into your work life. It's who you are, you know, like yeah. and and we spend five sevenths of our lives in as entrepreneurs, it's seven out of seven, right? Like yeah. in our in our business, right? Um and so it's like how 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 exhausting it would be if you couldn't show up as your true self and in all the even the conflict, the the stress, the the doubts, you know, and and not be able to lean on each other for it. And I think in business, if more leaders would be conscious of that, even to bring a closeness together and how they collaborate and work together and grow their business and almost take note of how partners in life and business do it in order to be better leaders across the board, you know. So the two of you now are growing this business. And let's tell folks what Cloud Insight is all about so that they understand the type of business you're running. But then my second question to follow up on after you explain that is, as you guys are growing and bringing other people in, how do you plan to integrate your style of leading as a couple and make those other folks feel like they're partners in your business as well? Yeah, it's a great question. So Cloud Insight as a, as a company... 
was built to solve the problem that in technology in general, specifically in more emergent tech, that's really gaining traction in the market like cloud and data center and, and cybersecurity and some of these other buzzwords like AI and machine learning and all these different technologies, blockchain, you know, the, the, the voice of the vendor has been lost and it's lost for a lot of reasons, but mainly due just to the sheer number of new vendors and new technologies that are going out there. And the technology people that are within the companies that they're trying to sell to are going through a, a transition as well. And that transition is affecting them in a number of ways. But you know, 78% of, of IT organizations are 70% to, to staff. You know? So they're, they're really understaffed and they're being forced to get into areas of business that weren't necessarily what they got into originally. So they're, they're involved in procurement and involved in all these different tasks that uh, weren't necessarily there before. And now all of a sudden they've got all these vendors, they don't know who to go to. So they're kind of sticking with whomever it was in the beginning or a trusted partner, and they don't know where the trusted resources are. So we looked at that as, you know, there's a problem on the customer side, a really big problem on the vendor side where they have to try to differentiate and find ways to find revenue without really overexpending on, on sales folks and things like that. So we created a, a platform that essentially uh, we brought all these vendors into a marketplace and built profiles on each of the vendors. And then we go out and through search engine optimization and things like that, find uh, customers that are looking for these services and allow them to fill out a profile and, and then fill out a project profile of what they're, what they're doing. We run an algorithm in the background and essentially we're able to cut down. So instead of an RFP process, sending it out to the public, we're able to cut it down and say, hey, there's four or five vendors that can fit. And you know, based on everything you said, here are the three that we recommend, and then we'll facilitate that conversation. So, you know, we're not going to, you know, push one vendor to uh, a customer, and we're not going to, you know, push all of our stuff to one vendor. Um, and it does a number of things, like ensuring that vendors are only getting real opportunities, that you know they have a, a fair chance of closing. Where traditionally in this market, where they've hired sales enablement companies, they're closing less than two percent. With us, on average, right now they're closing about thirty. So it's a significant increase. And, and that's essentially what we've been trying to solve. So, but for the next problem, the, how do we kind of scale our, our styles and when we're hiring these people? You know, so far we've we've hired a, a few folks that some are, are already gone, which was a, a difficult decision. But you know, as we were kind of growing and doing different things, and the business changes so drastically, and especially in those first six to eight months, I mean, you're you're going in to sell shoes, and next thing you know, you're an Apple stand. So. You know, you never really know where, where you're going to go. And uh, so we had to make a transition and go with people that were uh, a little more senior. And, and now the way that we've kind of structured the business is, you know, the platform itself, I don't come from a tech background, Kate does. And, and that is going to be our long-term uh, success and growth strategy is going to be able to take this automated process that we've made and make it fully automated so that customers can go online, go through the platform and build it out. But for that to be successful, we have to collect a lot of data, and those data, that data is going to come through through sales and more of a manual process. So right now, um, I'm focused on that end, and I'm I'm building out that team and and kind of leading uh, that side of the organization, while Kate is taking on the other side, and then we collaborate together to figure out what we need on both ends and, and kind of push it forward. <laughs> yeah, and and it's funny because I actually had really good really good example of, of how to run a family business. My parents actually had a family Taekwondo studio for like most of my life. You know, my, my dad was the one who was 
teaching all the classes and you know had all the other instructors under him. And then my mom was the one who was working in the front office and working on sales and marketing and you know just all these creative strategies and and really kind of tying it all together with that homey family feel. And that was. That was always, I felt like, what set us apart as you know, a Taekwondo studio in a town that you know was a typical suburban town that had a lot of karate studios around as options. And you know, people really liked that we were a family studio. And I think that that's important when you have a team. You know, you you, you need to treat your team like family. You need to you know understand when your team is having a good day or a bad day. Celebrate the good days. Support them on the bad days. Um, you know, recognize that your employees are humans too, um, you know, and they need that nurturing. So, you know, for us too, I think that's you know moving forward something that we we want to continue and want to keep in the business is that that family vibe and and you know just having everyone who comes on board, you know, really feel like they can you know work with us on anything, talk to us about anything. You know, we've we're a small team now, so you know when when we have any of our team that's in New York City come to Buffalo, they they stay in the guest room. <laughs> Uh-huh. And we yeah. do family dinners, <laughs> and uh, and, um, and it's nice. I think it it allows you to just you know progress your relationship so much faster than you would otherwise, and kind of get past all those other you know boundaries and and get to a point of of success that you know you probably wouldn't have um, gotten to as as quickly. Yeah, I think it's great. I um you know as a as I've coached different teams and and the expansion of things uh, from a that growth standpoint, right? Like you guys have proven your concept, you've had sales, you you have clients that have demand, you have vendors that want to be on your platform. Like it's now at that phase of it's no longer running and tying your shoes, right? Like it's <laughs> it's <laughs> it's more of a okay, we've got to lay the foundation and now build the structure on top of it. And you know, the ability to be able to consistently have a conversation of how you tweak your corporate culture as it builds with every single individual that joins it makes such a difference in the longevity and the sustainability of how you lead as leaders you know and so I, I love that you have that inclusion and I love that you bring them into your home because it's real it, if you are a heart-centered service-based leader right then you need to show them the heart center of your life you know and um and that so i love that about how you're expanding and 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 being inclusive i also want to geek out super hard on the fact that your platform sounds so kick ass like <laughs> that's like the 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 tech head in me like being in the, and and so we're going to have to have an offline discussion on all of that because it's so needed like the area of procurement and RFP process is so antiquated and there's so much wasted time and money and resources around picking the wrong technology, integrating it, spending the time to integrate it in your company, putting teams against it, wasting their time against it and zero validation on whether it's right because someone at the front line made a decision that didn't validate the whole process. And so I freaking love what your platform (laughs) is. So I'm totally geeking out on the inside and we're going to have to definitely have discussions, you know, offline about it so that I can really get my like geek on. So... (laughs) I love that. That was actually the, the like <laughs> final selling point for Josh to bring me on board because I think I don't even remember how many months I spent on that last project. 
But in my last company, I, I was working on just trying to replace a vendor that we had used for years. And it was a hard decision because we were a healthcare company. So we had all these compliance concerns with HIPAA and, and then you know just scaling concerns because we were a growing company. And oh my God, it was the most stressful thing because it was like on top of you know everything else I was doing on a daily basis, I had to go and you know, just scour the internet and make sure I had every option completely figured out and vetted. And I, I felt like I was on a never ending wheel. That's I was right. like, not going to stop. There are just, you know, people were then emailing me with new information. And then, you know, one company just wouldn't get back to me with information. I was like, this is insane. Yeah. And I, I really feel like it took me like six months. And then it still took longer than that even after I left because it was then it's you know a big board decision so that was really the a big driver for me to yep. you know jump and and take on this challenge with Josh because I was on that other side of the problem and I saw the the obvious need in the space where I was like yes absolutely if my team and I could have saved all of that time and basically gotten to you know the same conclusion or a better one but faster, yeah, yeah, way yeah. faster, way faster. Yeah. And you know, it, it, at my consulting company, right? So I, that's like another arm of business that I run. Literally, get called in to do all the recovery. Majority of the people call me and they're like, "Okay, we need you in here to help us recover from a really bad decision on a tech <laughs> platform that we brought in, and we have no idea now how to back out of it, how to change it, yeah. how to and." You know, like, and the number one thing too. This is why I want to geek out with you guys, is because <laughs> the, the vendor contracts in itself, like even that, from a service standpoint, from an execution standpoint, there's zero penalty or like a responsibility or accountability mm-hmm. sometimes to even deliver against what they promise. You know, so right. to have a vetted process that they can lean on and come to come to your platform, come to Cloud Insight, and say. This is what I got going on. And even if you're not quite yet in the vendor space they need, like you'll be able to collect the demand to then go after those vendors, those platforms, and, and find that match process for your um, clients in the marketplace. So I love this because it's so needed. And because new tech is like popping up every other minute, you just don't know... If you're if you're meant to be on what's the latest and greatest, is that's going to be right. functional for you, <laughs> right? Or here's the here's the thing that actually is the right fit for your demand to grow and sustain with. You don't have to change your tech all the time. You know that's the other problem with the um, what is it called shiny shiny coin syndrome you get from, oh, from yeah. certain <laughs> companies that are like, oh, we got to change everything up because a new leader comes into a company and says, I worked on this in the past. Let's bring it in here yeah. versus really assessing what this company needs. So again, I, it's it's like I could go on <laughs> and on about this, but I really love that you're in this space because it's so needed and 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 your mission to make it easier and, and faster and really just more aligned in the decision process is, is super cool. So... Thanks for putting it out there. That's awesome. But I, what I want to know too is now you're also doing Smart City. So let's talk about what you're doing in Buffalo and what Smart City is all about. Yeah. So 
Smart city is is an interesting uh, buzzword right now because I think there's really no standard yet for um, you know how to develop a smart city. A lot of cities have tried, and a lot of cities have different definitions of what a smart city is, um, and it makes sense, right? Every city has different infrastructure, you know, different different roads and bridges and everything in place that you know they're they're going to have to retrofit, right? Like nobody's creating a brand new city with all of this tech infrastructure. So it's a very interesting new challenge for the world, really, because this is happening um, internationally. And you know, we just coming to Buffalo decided that this was um, something that we wanted to work on. It was you know, close to our mission to you know, really be involved with the community. Um, and we had already been you know, talking to the city about some of the initiatives around just bringing public Wi-Fi to certain areas. You know, they're... You know, Kids in certain parts of the city that just didn't have access to the internet, and you know, I'm sure you've—I don't know if you've read *Brave Not Perfect* yet, but *Girls Who Code*. Um, you know, the whole mission around *Girls Who Code* is to get young kids access to to computers so that they can learn to code. Because those who know how to code are going to be able to, you know, command a higher salary later in life, and you know, it's going to set them up for success. So there's, you know, this mission around. You know, just bring that connectivity to places that haven't had it in so long, um, and I think you know Buffalo in general has, you know, kind of gone through the dark times. You know, really like in, I guess like the eighties, nineties, when you know all of the jobs really left the city, um, and now there's more of this urban revival happening. That's so exciting to see and so exciting to be a part of, and you know, it's a great time for us to to move the business here, um, and. And the smart city initiative, um, you know, from the from the city, from the mayor here, is just um, you know, really aligned well with what we want to do and how we want to be involved with with our new community, our new home. Yeah, and I think to to kind of build on that, I think the way that we looked at it was, you know, Western New York had given us a lot in terms of when we were going through this whole startup process. You know, they were opening their doors to a lot of new opportunities for us and making all these introductions and uh, you know putting us in a, a great tax platform to, to really be tax-free for our investors and all these great things. So we, we said right away, like, you know what? It's clear that what they're trying to do here is build something that is really focused around tech and they want to build this entrepreneurial-driven uh, community. So we started talking to people within the government and within the uh, community itself, some of the community leaders about you know, some of the projects that they were trying to work on and how, how they were going to make this dream a reality and it was clear that they had kind of built that a good foundation and that foundation was there. So they started, you know, there were several incubators that had popped up that were starting to have some success. Um, a lot of public funding was being put in and now a lot of the private funding was coming behind it. And I think, you know, once uh, from a funding perspective, when people have that, that private, privately held money, then there's more, more uh, I guess, a focus on making sure that it's invested in the right, right companies and right programs and things like that. And it's starting to become successful. So when we were talking to them, they, they mentioned some of the issues that they were having. And that whole smart city initiative perked our, perked our ears up, right? Because it's something that's new and there aren't a lot of cities that have been successful in implementing it. And seeing that the whole government, the county, the city, the state were all kind of aligned, we looked at it and, and started trying to find out where other cities had failed. And I think by starting there, we were able to, to kind of determine which vendors had a good foothold, which, which had maybe had success on, on their level, but the entire project didn't have success. And that's what we kept finding was 
hey, this vendor did their implementation right, but then someone else failed and someone else had, had fallen by the wayside. And so none of these smart cities really got to the plan that they had originally. So what we seeked out to do was create a, a program where we can kind of uh, manage that entire process and have all the vendors because, look, we already have the relationship with all of them. They're all in our, in our ecosystem today, in our vendor marketplace. So we thought, you know, if we're really out there to benefit these vendors and we're trying to get them a, a bigger voice in a, in a different marketplace, then why not kind of look at this as a new opportunity to re-engage our vendors and re-engage our city and, and our, our community to, uh, to find a way to bring it all together and make something special happen. And I think you know, now we're, we're kind of getting to a next phase, but we've learned so much in such a short period of time. But uh, what's amazing about it is how many people are eager to get involved. So we've had a major bank, uh, probably top three in the world, say, you know, if you guys can get this approved, we'll give you a, a billion dollar muni bond. And yeah. we came back to the city with that, and they're like, "How? What the? What would you? How did you guys do this?" And we were <laughs> yeah. like, "Honestly, we just said you guys wanted to do a smart city, but <laughs> yeah, um, but it was uh, it, it's been a it's been a really cool task, and I think you know now the challenge is how how much how much effort do we put into it? And I think the answer yeah. to that is uh, you know quite a bit, and uh, uh, we're we're trying to delineate our time between those different initiatives." Yeah. And make sure that it's in line with what the company is doing and what what we've pitched to our investors and pitched to our board. Right. And, uh, you know, so it's been it's an interesting project to say the least. But it, it's definitely it's cool to to kind of bring our mend our community focus with our vision for a company with a vision for our platform and kind yeah. of put them all together and, and bring them all into one. Yeah, it's funny as you were talking, I almost had a vision of like a. Uh, a hackathon of sorts within your within your company across the vendors on like how to solve for smart city problems. No lie, that's actually one of the things that we've brought up and in, yes. into our board. And uh, you know, so we because part of the uh, part of the financing and what we've talked to these banks about is we want an, a certain percentage to not just go towards the project, but things that will support the project. So you've got a great community of college students here. The University of Buffalo is. A, a, Great Club, UB, uh, Buff State, all these different uh, colleges that are in the market, yep. colleges, universities, and uh, you know they've got really smart guys, really smart girls that can come in and, and help in these initiatives. But we have to find a way to do it. So I think again, in line with their mission to continue growing that ecosystem for entrepreneurs and for tech, you know we we ask that they put in ten percent to the programs that are going to support that community once it's built. And uh, and be able to bring in revenue. So I think that was definitely one of them. That the hackathon was an area that we thought would be great because you could say, "All right, everybody, you know, first prize is this app is going to be on this marketplace, and we're going to be able to utilize it inside this smart city. How cool is that? You know, you get a prize, whatever it might be. But I think uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, awesome. I am uh, just so our listeners know how do you define what a smart city is because some people listening might not even know this concept. You know, I, I wish I could define it because everyone's told us a different answer. But in, in general, it's a connected city. So you're talking about bringing IoT or Internet of thing, d- Things devices into things like a smart grid, into a smart waste management, smart, uh, more you know, cameras that are up there kind of uh, helping uh, to make the community safer. Um, things that are, are just really making the community more connected as a whole and uh, allowing people and tourists... Uh, the community, the tourists, and the government to all interact and and kind of work as one. Beautiful. 
I think some things people who are listening probably are familiar with the smart city um, points in New York City, like those kiosks on the sidewalks, even the ones in the in the subway too that have you know ways for people to make emergency calls. Those are huge, and and you know the city itself is following the stats of how many emergency calls are made from those kiosks. There's also you know Wi-Fi in those the the smart trash cans, which are actually helping people to that work in waste management in the city to know when certain trash cans are full. Which, if you think about how it used to be, like yeah. I'm thinking when I lived on the Upper West Side, which I'm sure still doesn't have those yet. You know, you just have <laughs> those old like iron trash cans that would be overflowing because yeah, like unless yeah. you're driving around, how do you know that it needs to be emptied? You know, so it's it really is a matter of you know having the infrastructure in place to make sure that all of these devices can be connected and can be sending that data back, um, but that that data is, is used in a meaningful way to just bring more efficiency to the city overall um, and, and, and bring, bring more to the people, right? Like bringing the, the Wi-Fi and those emergency call stations to people is, is huge. I mean, that's obviously making an impact on people's lives. Yeah, I, I think it's great, and and I love the mission, and I I also can totally see the alignment between cloud insight and building out a smart city. So it's exciting that you guys are now building your home in Buffalo, right? Like you're you're staking your ground there, back and forth <laughs> to Manhattan when you can, and and um and really being part of the community because I think you have to live it to know how to improve it, you know. And there's there's a there's a value in that as well. So um. I'm curious because you guys are such strong leaders and and constantly learning. If you were to define the future version of yourself, because we're in tech, I love I love talking about versioning because I think we're in a continuous development process, right? And it as individuals, we're we're the number one system we get to manage every single day. So if you think about that next version of you, so you you now have so much going on for yourselves individually together. In your community, in your business, how would you describe, you know, version? Let's call it, let's call it 2025. Um, and what would that version of you say about, you know, um, things to know or or be proud of, or you know, how would you describe that version? Yeah. So I, the best way that I could say is I, I think. You, you go through versions, it, they could be a year, they could be two years, they could be 10 years, right? And I think uh, you know this version that we're currently in is probably a long-term version. And it's going to be there for a little while because we have to stay really focused on kind of what that mission is. Um, but at the end of that mission, I think you know the next stage for me at least, and I, I'm sure Kate kind of feels the same way, is, uh, is the time to be able to kind of give back and, and to kind of take from a role of entrepreneurship and go back to a role of kind of investing and mentoring and, and helping other entrepreneurs to, to kind of drive their mission forward and find missions that resonate well with us or well with me and, uh, and help them to achieve their goals. Because I think, you know, it, for me, I, I wouldn't have been able to, to exit my first company and I wouldn't have been able to start this company without the tremendous amount of people that have supported me and, and coached me throughout the process. And, I think it's it's important for anybody that's even thinking about entrepreneurship to surround yourself with anyone you can and ask questions and and really get a feel for you know what they did right, what they did wrong. Because I think every entrepreneur has a heck of a lot more stories about what they've done wrong than what they've done right. And uh, and you just have to have that kind of 
you have to know that you have that bone in your body that is just unwilling to give up and will always push forward, but is intelligent enough to know when to shift focus. Um, I think if you've got that, then you've got the, the entrepreneurial spirit. But uh, it, you know, I hope that when I look back on, on this time, that you know, I, you can applaud. We can applaud ourselves for the risks that we t- that we've taken, and uh, and hopefully we're we're looking back and saying, "Ha, we were right." And who knows? You know, you never know what's going to happen. But you know, I think we're now in a position, like you said before, where the where the foundation has been laid, and now we're kind of building the structure around it, and that structure is starting to look good, and we're coming back and. And looking at the structure and going, all right, I think this is going to be a nice house. So yeah. I think, um, you know, we're on our way. And I think, like I said, it's going to be long term. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that that next stage because I've dabbled in it a little bit with, uh, you know, joining advisory boards or investing a small amount in, in different companies. But I'd like to uh, to get to a point where I can really affect uh, change and, and help people with their with their individual missions. Absolutely. And and we're we're very aligned on that. I I serve on on two boards, um, two nonprofit boards currently, and you know I've just always had that that bug. You know I've always wanted to give back in some way to just you know just serve however I could. Um, and I think you know with all of the lessons that you know we're we're learning right now, it it just makes for a better story later on when we're able to share so much of that with the people that we can you know. Probably directly in some, you know, mentorship cases, give back to, um, you know. But the the community here, um, it, really in Western New York as a whole, um, has a lot of opportunity for us to to be involved and give back to. And um, you know, we have some of our own, you know, personal missions, especially with, um, you know, like the cancer center here and the university here, who we're partnered with. You know, that we really want to be involved with, you know, in in some way. So. You know, there's there are obvious focuses when you're in startup grind mode that you know you can't do it all and you can't give all of your time away because you need to give it to the company. But that is for sure something we've talked about and we've just said, you know, how can we kind of be the Bill and Melinda Gates, if you will, <laughs> where like that's not even fair because we that's like a totally crazy, um, you know, it's not crazy. Survive. Yeah, it's, it's not crazy. But, no, but like, you know what I mean? Essence. Yeah, they're the awesome. essence they're, of who yeah, they are. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I love what they've done. I love how they were like, okay, cool. We did it. We, you know, we, we made our money and now we want to give back in ways that is going to change the world. And, and that's just that, that resonates with me so much. And I think they're just exceptional people. And that's, that's where, you know, we've always said, you know, that's where we want to get. We want to have our passion project. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we actually had a great conversation about this the other day. And, and we were talking with um, actually a, a mentee of ours, of, of mine. And you know, he was talking about he wants to do what he loves and, and wants to do what he loves, wants to do what he loves. I was like, well, what do you love? And he's naming all these things. And I'm like, well, it's, that's great, but it, it's not necessarily realistic at this point in time. And, and you've got to, there, there, there are ways to pay your dues to get to what you want to, what you love. And you know, I think for, for us and we have that lofty goal of wanting to be able to do something that can that can change history or change the world or make a really big impact on a community. And in order to get there, I think it, it takes you know having some success now to be able to have the 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 resources to be able to accomplish that. And I think um, yeah. you know if you if you think of things from that mindset as opposed to you know every day going oh well I'm not doing what I what I love you know you've got to be passionate about what you're doing because what you're doing. Is leading you to what you love, and I think uh, you know that that resonated well with him. And, and yeah, it's baby steps. You yeah, it is. And it takes steps. You know, and even as you both were talking about 
the the future version of of impact you want to have. I mean, you are doing it right now, you know. And and I love to always bring that back to folks is that you can you can literally decide right now to spend a portion of your time doing what fuels you and what makes you feel as though impact is happening and connects you to the tracks that will eventually allow you to really shine at uh, you know as you walk down that track uh, and in alignment of doing what you love you know and everything you do and because it starts with what you value most yep. and then making sure you bring those values in every single day with every single yes. action so the way you guys have constructed your company, the way you guys are as partners, the the inclusion conversations you're having with your community and, you know, as mentors, as as leaders, like it's beautiful because you know, that version of you is happening right now. It's just a it's just a different definition of that yes. later, you know? It's just point. a heightened it's a heightened one because you are in action on it already. And I love the advice you gave to your mentee, which is know the target. But yeah. let's take the steps to earn it. Let's take the steps to qualify you. Let's take the steps to really know for sure is that what you love? Yeah. A lot yeah. of people, right, have that target of I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make this money or I'm gonna hit this goal. And then they forget that like there's a journey to get there. And yeah. and sometimes yeah. on that journey, you'll be like, wow, this sucks. Like I really yeah. <laughs> don't like this at all. So how do how do I get out of it? And then there's shame and there's guilt and there's blame, like all this stuff shows up when it's not the right path, right? So I love setting um, goals with folks, but then it's also, well, let's see what it... Let's try it on. Like, yeah. what are the steps yeah. now to try on and make sure we're heading towards you know, what you truly love or defining yeah. really what that means? Yeah. Because no matter what, it's going to take a lot of work. And I think you know, one of the best pieces of advice I got was from a guy when I was 22 and started a company was, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to have a lot of ups and downs. Because I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Can you believe two times in a row? But he was like, listen, he was like, when you look back at this, you're, you're going you're gonna to look at that and you're going to actually have more admiration for that time than you are for that first sale, for that first big win. Because you got through the hard part. And that hard part is going to be what you learn from later through stages of your life and different companies that you're going to start. And so, you know, just stop sweating and, and just go forward and, and persevere. And I think, uh, you know, if you really, if you can embody that mindset, it just makes things so much easier. It does. It, it, it gives you the, the cushion to fall on when you fall. It's saying like, oh, okay, that was a softer landing this time, right? (laughs) And then, and you just keep adding to the cushioning and soon enough, you'll look like the Michelin man bouncing (laughs) off walls. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. There was that, when we just started this company, there was a time where uh, we had had a big contract that was signed and then the guy who signed it left the company. And we went from like, hey, we're hiring these people. We're going to expand right now. And it was just gone. And, and Kate was sitting there looking at me and I was like, I love it. We're going to build from it. And she's like, you're sick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's truth, right? Because you've been on the other side of hard. Right. right. Like you've, you've been on the other side of the hard fall that first time. Right. Like I always I, I mean, I literally have been talking about lately the permission to pivot. 
is yeah. something that you have to flex that muscle like constantly when you're an entrepreneur, when you're trying to launch your own business, when you're when you're even deciding to change a career of full time to want to go out on your own or out on your own and want to go back into a company, right? Like there's there's permissioning that needs to happen. Yeah. And that permission shows up when it does, then the pivot happens so much faster. You yeah. know, and so it's a really cool to see you both in action towards the life that you right now envision that as you continue to learn, it'll keep tweaking. You'll be adding more color. You'll be, you know, shifting it from time to time. The canvas becomes so much larger. And I and I love that. And I know it's gonna inspire so many of our listeners hearing your story, hearing your journey. And as they have listened and now want to connect or want to learn more, where should they go? to connect with you both? Uh, I'd say probably LinkedIn, Twitter. We're all over the place. I mean, you can you can definitely go on our website, find us there. We have all of our contact info. But yeah, we love connecting with people. And I think you know that it's been... Uh, it, you always grow. It doesn't matter if it's your mentee, your mentor, whoever it is. You're learning from everybody. And if you're not, then you're not doing it right. And uh, you know, So yeah, we're, we love connecting with everybody. So yeah, any social media, LinkedIn... Facebook, Instagram, we're all over. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. And um, as we close out today's conversation, I know it feels short and I, I will um, definitely... I'm, I'm debating if we need to have a recorded geek out session so that I can share that <laughs> maybe on another, another platform. But I really want to thank you both for joining me today and, and really letting us um, share who you are as leaders, but also your mission. Because I think it's so important what you're doing. And I'm very excited for both of you. And I'm honored that um, I'm now part of your journey. So it's, yeah, it's going to be definitely. really cool to see how you know things go forward together. But I would love for you each to answer this question as we close out today's show. I always ask, um, what do you or how do you define what a badass is? You know what? It's it's someone that just never gives up. That has that 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 bone in their body. That it's you cannot tell them that they are not going to do something. I think, in my opinion, that's that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate badass. Yep, very similar for me. I think I I always say it's it's resiliency and and hunger that that drive that is just innate to that person. They are just they say they're going to do it and they do it and um, they they don't care about anything else. Everything else is kind of secondary. They just get it done. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your badass journey with us today. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.